Well, that's what caught my eye on that particular comment, Sam. Finished reading the rest of that sentence. It says, painfully slow for our mid-sized business without millions of transactions. (laughs) (laughs) The the, the point I'm going to make is, at the end of the day, this is a computer operation. You require infrastructure. You require memory to, to run your software. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. Do you know a Sage ERP that is designed for companies with up to 100 employees? Do you know a Sage ERP that was part of the MAZ portfolio, just like MAZ 500? Do you know a Sage ERP that has a contractor version just like Sage 300? Do you know a Sage ERP that might allow multi-companies as part of its database but does not allow inter-company transactions? If you have guessed Sage 100, then you are right. In today's episode, we invited a panel of industry experts for a live discussion on LinkedIn to conduct an independent review of Sage 100 Cloud's capabilities. We covered many grounds, including its history, product architecture, and industry alignment. Finally, we covered its different version, such as main version that was targeted mainly for the distribution industries, and the contractor version that was a leaner product for companies before they moved to Sage 300 theory. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We review one vendor or the solution independently. For today, we have um, an interesting vendor called, um, or solution, it's called uh, Sage 100 Cloud. So we are going to have a lot of fun discussing that. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with uh, my intro. I am Sam Gupta, principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm. On that note, I am going to move to Dave for his intro. Thanks, Sam. Hi, everybody. My name is Dave Chrysler, and I own an operations consulting business working with operations leaders in the manufacturing distribution spaces, uh, helping them create systems that free them to drive growth and operate with excellence. And I come to you with more than 20 years in various operational leadership roles, including a few ERP implementations. So excited to be here with you all. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Andy, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Yeah, thank you, Sam. Thanks for inviting me. My name is Andy Pratico. I've got a bit of a cold today, so I hope I don't sound too terrible. I've been in the ERP business for the SMB space of manufacturing forever. And uh, I lived in the U.S. for 10 <laughs> Forever is close enough, eh, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I lived in the U.S. for 10, 11 years, and I worked with manufacturers all over North America. I've also written a book on helping companies evaluate ERP systems, and uh, I really appreciate you uh, inviting me. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for um, being here, even uh, when you have cold. <coughs> so I definitely appreciate that. Um, on that note, uh, if you're in the audience and joining for the first time, make sure you guys post your questions and comments. We typically try to cover them during the show. If you're in out of time, we'll make sure that you receive your answers on that note we are going to start with the quick briefing uh, overall from the siege perspective and i believe uh, this time this is the last one that we have for sage uh, and we have reviewed pretty much every single solution in their portfolio by the way guys if you don't know this sage also had a solution called Sage thousand and i don't think we are going to review that <laughs> i don't think they are selling it anymore or uh, it's active anymore, but I have seen it somewhere that they used to have. I don't know if it was before uh, Sage X3, but they definitely use. Um, so, I mean, we have a running joke here on Sage show every time. Whenever we review them, typically they have a numbering system and numbering is um, designed to make it easy for you to find the system. So 100 means up to 100 employees, 50 means up to 50 employees, 500 means up to 500 employees. Um, so we are going to be reviewing overall corporate strategy going to compare this with some of the other products that we have in um, sage portfolio as well as the overarching comparison with some of the other comparable solutions that might be there in the market um so guys sage 100 as well, sage makes it really easy uh, that's what i like about sage because of the numbering system you know so we already know where it sort of fits overall in the value chain now in the cloud world they are taking slightly different strategy i think the whole 100 500 300 200 uh, all of that numbering system started because they acquired way too many solution uh, and they could not find a place for them uh, so that's why they sort of had to divide uh, the lines otherwise it might be very confusing even for when they are trying to promote these solutions when you are going to have 200 products in your portfolio it becomes extremely confusing overall so andy you have a comment yeah i was just going to say <clears throat> excuse me um the whole joke we have about the the number the number of employees is probably not representative. However, what is representative is the smaller the number, the smaller the companies is targeted at, and the larger the number, the larger the company. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think the reason why Sage has done it this way, and it's very hard to find that when you are sort of following the checklist uh, to compare these ERP system, there's going to be a very fine line, and sometimes it's extremely hard. Even for me, who has reviewed pretty much every single uh, solution out there to find out, okay, what is the difference between Sage 100 and 5? Uh, you know, why is Sage 100 going to be smaller? Okay, go ahead, Andy. You e even for you, Sam, it knows everything. <laughs> not not everything, but yeah, I know a little about ERP. <laughs> so Sage 100, and when I look at different systems and how they are positioned in the market, uh, it's very, 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 very hard to find that out. But typically, the differentiation is going to be overall, in terms of the data model, it's going to be um, the one-to-n scenarios between different systems and the solutions and, and what kind of one-to-n scenarios are they going to support. So even in, in the case of, let's say, 
Sage 100, it's going to have SQL database. Okay, it's mind blowing because when we reviewed Sage 200, I believe Sage 200 was they had different solution for different countries. They didn't sort of have the multi-company solu solution inside one platform, but it was called Sage 200. So I was thinking that you know Sage 200 is uh, this one Sage 100 is probably going to be smaller than that, but that's not true at all. Okay, so Sage 100 came at as part of Maz portfolio, Maz. 500 and they used to have very different name for this one as well okay before they used to call mass 200 i think they called this as mass 90 as well so i don't know <laughs> uh then they ended up changing it to sage 100 so i, I guess mass 90 ended up being sage 100 uh and if you in between it used to be called uh, mass 200 as well uh you know yeah. th but that's yeah. only in europe though that product i'm not too sure andy yeah yeah i'm, I'm not too sure so but, this but, but the old days they used to call Sage fifty. They used to call it Peach Tree. Okay, simple, so simply accounting. Simply and accounting then, is different. Simply accounting we have reviewed as part of Sage fifty. This is not Sage fifty. Oh, okay. Uh, this Pardon is also me. not. Yeah, yeah. Sage one hundred is uh, again. This came as part of Mass portfolio. My understanding is that when Mass was really active, they used to have two product lines: uh, the bigger one and the SMB one. So this was their SMB product line. Uh, one of some of the things that you are going to see as part of um, Sage 100 portfolio, uh, you know, it's very, very, very different overall because Maz was a very good company in general in terms of their, their development standard. When we reviewed Sage 500, the product was very well architected, very well designed. So I don't know who was the person who really designed that. But yeah, I liked Sage 500 a lot. And that's the feeling that you are going to get in Sage 100 as well. There is one caveat, though, OK? So Sage 100 is the combination of two solutions. One came from Maz and one came from Intuit. Uh, that also, it has had seen a lot of different acquisition. So the one that came from Intuit is the Sage 100 contractor. Okay, if you look at the product, the product is going to appear very different. So I think, you know, there was sort of the boundary line between how they positioned the Sage 300 versus 500. 300 was more positioned towards the contractor's real estate, uh, you know, construction. So Sage 100 had all of those features. Then this also had very strong distribution features as well. So it's very, very, very interesting the way, you know, Sage solutions were structured. Seems like Sage 100 is going to be there in the cloud. Uh, I don't know how many products are going to be. I, I don't think Sage 500 is going in the cloud, but Sage 100 is definitely going to be there in the cloud. They are actively promoting this particular product. And I can see why, because the product was really overall, uh, especially for these small companies. Any other comments, questions before? Okay, uh, we start with the slide. So, okay, so let's review some commentary here. So they are saying Sage 100 or Sage 100 Cloud, formerly known as Sage 100 ERP, they are calling it as ERP. Uh, it is going to have the multi-company functionality, but you know there is a little caveat there as well. Okay, so even though it has multi-company functionality, but you cannot really perform the transactions between companies. So the databases are going to be very separate. The way your SAP Business One, Microsoft GP is going to work. So it is very comparable. And my understanding was that that Sage 100 is probably going to be a smaller solution than this. These solutions, because they had Sage 500, which is also a very small solution. In general, it wasn't very large. So I was thinking that it's probably going to be slightly bigger than QuickBooks. But overall, Sage 100 is you know, much bigger solution. I think it should be compared, in my opinion, 
with either uh, SAP Business One or your Microsoft GP, they are going to have a little bit more layers overall in terms of the one-to-end functionality. And that's where I guess the, the fine line is. So Sage 100 had a lot of different companies, but the companies that they are going to have are going to be probably very small size. So Sage 100 is probably going to be really good. Let's say you have a lot of different restaurant, uh, you know, franchises. And, you know, for in that, let's say you are doing hundred to $100,000 in, I don't know, 20 different branches. Then Sage 100 could be a great solution because you are not going to have a lot of interaction in between. Uh, but this is not really designed for large companies that are going to have very um, uh, collaborative relationship between those companies um so th- that's where i guess you know it was really designed for a smaller operation um, the way the, the the product is so here they are saying before sage 100 it used to be called sage maz 90 or sage maz uh 200 so andy i i don't know whether you can see that or not but uh, here this is where i think they they, they called both so I don't know whether they changed their mind. Sometimes it was for 90, sometimes for 200. So I don't know what was there. Um, change the name depending on how many employees they have, probably. Yeah. yeah. And, that's the, and that's the problem in having the number of employees in the name. <laughs> because when your product is going to be bigger, then you need to change the name itself. So I don't know if that is the best. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. So here they are saying first offered in mid-1988. 1988 is a very long time at that time i don't think a lot of systems could really perform that whole operation uh you know in one system uh, we reviewed this in oracle jd edwards as well that they were really struggling until 1990s to perform the entire transaction from your crm to your to your accounting it was very hard uh, if you decouple then it's a different case if you're using it at siloed then it's a different case but if you want to do all of that as part of one system it was extremely hard only companies such as SAP could could actually. Um, um, so here we have some more commentary. Uh, and by the way, if you guys don't know the what MAS stands out for, it's called Master Accounting Series. Okay, for the 90s. <laughs> um, okay, I don't have any other commentary here. Hey, hey Sam, I got a yeah. question for yeah. you, and I'm not sure if this is now changed, but kind of in the middle of that, I'm reading with the three different versions, it looks like. So it starts off kind of right in the middle of that paragraph saying that Sage, or excuse me, that Sage ERP Mass 90 would launch as Sage 100 standard ERP and Sage ERP Mass 200 would launch as Sage 100 Advanced ERP. And what caught my eye is this next line saying that the addition with a SQL Server database would launch as Sage 100 Premium. So do I take that to believe that the other two versions were based off of, of kind of a you know file-based system comparable to QuickBooks or... Exactly, you got it. So yeah, so I don't think they were selling um, the majority of Sage 100 on SQL database. The premium version, and I don't know how many companies really bought premium version, because for the most part, Sage 100, the way I see it, it, it must be a very desktopy application. And if you are going to run SQL, obviously, you know, if you go back like what 
five, ten years back, even our laptops were not as uh, strong to run the SQL Server. <laughs> I guess kind of moving forward, though, I mean, the real question becomes the version that they're selling now with the Sage 100 cloud is SQL based, correct? That's a good question. And I don't have an answer for that. No, in cloud, I think they, they will probably have this. Uh, it's going to be really hard for them to do the file base. So my understanding would be that they are probably SQL Server. But anyways, it's going to be very lean version in well, cloud. Mostly using single versus multi-tenant. Uh, sorry, Andy, what, what was the comment? Unless they're confusing single with multi-tenant, because single tenant could have been private cloud could have, could be any data. This is definitely uh, multi-tenant. I mean, they are serving this as private cloud. So my understanding of this is going to be that this has been re-architected for cloud. Uh, I cannot confirm that because see the demos that I saw. It does not seem like they have the real re-architected version, to be honest. Okay, when you look at Sage Intact or uh, any other products from Sage, they appear slightly different. They appear as if they have been re-architected. But, you know, if you look at their site, Sage 100 is definitely promoted as more of the cloud. Um, and in fact, I mean, Sage is part of your business cloud portfolio. So now the way Sage is trying to position this as, as more of the business cloud and whichever, and it's very similar positioning as your Infor, and four is trying to position this as in four cloud suite, and they are going to be bundling a lot of different products um, to make it a suite. And that's what Sage is trying to do. Um, you know, they bundle one ERP and then payroll, then CRM. So that's how they are trying to position. Everybody's sort of trying to follow the similar strategy. The next sentence is rather interesting. Is, is that saying that SAP owns Crystal Reports now? They have owned for a long time, and that's why that everybody... Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And that's why everybody sort of started moving away from Crystal Reports because originally, if you review even in four solutions, they were based on Crystal Report. And then as soon as SAP acquired, everybody wanted to move away. Competitor. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So SAP, my understanding is that they own Crystal Report as of today. But even SAP is trying to move from that, I believe. That's my understanding, you know, because Crystal Report is, is a very legacy. In place. So my understanding is that they are also trying to move away from that. Okay, if you guys don't have any other comments, do I see anything else here that may be worth noting? No, I think I'm good on this one. Okay, so this is the screen. And by the way, I mean, see if you compare this with any other solutions, you are going to get similar feel of the solution Sage solutions, for the most part, they were promoted light by the accountants. So one of the things that you're going to notice in any of these solutions, when they acquire anything, it has to be targeted for the accounting companies. It has to make sense for the accountants. So obviously, even in this solution, you are going to find the feel of accounting. It's going to have a lot of different report analytics, at least the baby analytics, I, I would say, uh, is going to be part of most of these solutions that your accountants are going to require. So you are going to get that feel. And when I review the solution, it's very Microsoft friendly, the way it was designed. I think if you review Microsoft GP, in my mind, Microsoft GP is going to have slightly richer functionality, especially around those one-to-one scenarios. Uh, but otherwise, these two solutions are very comparable uh, in general. This one is probably going to have slightly richer functionality for distribution agriculture. And that's where Sage really likes to focus agriculture process industry so it's going to have a little bit of functionality related to that um, but overall they are very complex. okay so 
here, I mean, see if you look at this is probably the the screenshot of the Sage 100 contractor. The other limitation that you are going to find with this solution is going to be the um, the way their chart of accounts are structured. And most of Sage solution had sort of limitation in terms of the way they did chart of account. Again, that goes back to your operational performance. So most of these smaller solutions had that. Okay, I'm probably going to support 14 dimension uh, in, in the naming convention itself. So the way they were structuring the, the chart of accounts, and this is the problem that solutions such as your Sage Intact are trying to solve, is that they are going to have slightly uh, more fluid dimensions as part of your chart of accounts. Here, it's going to be very fixed. The way you are going to name your chart of accounts, they all are going to have uh, all of those dimensions as part of that string itself. So it's a very fixed legacy structure overall the way uh, it is designed, but again, you know, considering system limitations and the size of the system, this is what you get. Um, but overall, if you look at the Sage 100 contractor, you are going to get a lot of functionality that your Sage 300 CRE is going to have for your equipment rental space. Uh, even though you are going to see a little bit of inventory, but this is your construction inventory. This is your field service inventory. It's very different inventory from the distribution-centric operations. So they have two different versions. One is called Sage 100 Contractor. The other is called Sage 100 Main Product. And inside the main product, they are going to have far richer distribution. Okay, so this is the, again, the overall UI, the interface, everything is different between your Sage one, even though they are sharing the name, uh, because obviously they didn't want to have another name there, which is called Sage 75, I guess. So they ended up clubbing <laughs> this one. Um, under your uh, Sage um, 100 portfolio. All right, so this is the inventory for the contractor one as opposed to your the main uh, product. So the inventory that you are going to have as part of the contractor product is going to be very different from your mainstream uh, inventory operation. And that's why I want to touch on this. So for example, in this inventory, you are probably not going to have lot number, okay? In this particular space, you are going to have serialized inventory because this is going to be your equipment, uh, any of the parts that go as part of your equipment, all of that is going to require the individual identification. So this is obviously a very baby functionality for your field service uh, as well as your equipment operations and construction. And project center. management, obviously. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. But project management could be all over the place, right? So if you are yeah. talking about, you know, tech companies doing project management, that's very different than, uh, you know, this is a construction. Management. This is construction. Yeah. 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 Uh, so here, obviously, the screen looks very lean for the inventory. But again, these are two different products. And that's why the product, the experience is going to appear very different. So here you are going to have default location. So they have multiple warehouses. They also have been numbers. Uh, you know, you have the reorder quantity, but, but again, it's not going to be as rich as what you are going to see uh, on the main product, which is really targeted for this. Um, here, if you look at the overall functionality, I mean, they had a lot to be honest. Okay. So they had your bill of material, work order, job cost, RMA, you name it. Okay. From the features and functions perspective, they had everything. But if you look at, uh, you know, how their bombs were structured, really designed for very light assembly, light manufacturing. So read between the lines, okay? Pay attention to what kind of fields do they have and what is the product psychology, which is what I 
like to focus on uh, and this particular product was really designed for very heavy uh, not very heavy i should not use very heavy but in their segment <laughs> if you were sort of heavy on distribution then uh, probably this product was the right thing so this is the the chart of account dimensions and they sort of uh, were part of the the chart of account naming and that was the limitation that a lot of different legacy products had so if you are reviewing any product that has this limitation that means you are looking at very clunky product that had uh you know legacy database design the modern systems don't necessarily have to do this especially if they are going to be sql server relational uh, database and this is basically uh typically in the file system world it was very hard to maintain these relationships so you had to take a lot of shortcuts in terms of how you were maintaining and that's why you had this limitation okay the other things that again uh, overall if you look at the architecture the layout of the product it's it's going to be very logical the way most sage products are and that's why i am personally a big fan of sage products overall from the accounting perspective in general just because the way they are laid out you know they don't come across as very technical product they come across as if a finance person is trying to evaluate them how they would like to see the information so i personally like uh, this layout and this is going to be based on each of the segment of the info information for example let's say if you're looking for your gl details that is going to be in a separate area and if you look at some of the logical products okay uh, if you review acumatica uh, they have followed the similar layout and the architecture as well and that's why acumatica is a very logical in general the way product is now um some of the things for example let's say you know this is where you are going to get uh, prompt for company code and when you are prompting for company code you sort of have a clue that these companies are going to be stored in different databases and that's why you can have either prompt or you can be defaulted to a company and that's why they have this feature set but these databases are completely disjointed schema underneath that's how they are designed so basically the assumption is that there would not be any sort of collaboration between these entities so even though all products are trying to claim everybody is multi entity <laughs> but how deep is the multi entity functionality is going to be a question that you need to pay attention the devil's always in the details exactly yeah i mean this this is a situation where you see uh, a lot of companies get into that when they hear you know <laughs> oh no problem we can handle that and then then they find out that they're doing you know double the amount of transactions when there's yeah. some sort of intercompany transfer or sale or anything like that uh, so again, in, in appropriate situations where those businesses, Sam, I thought you had a good example, um, you know, with the the kind of restaurant model, um, even in a smaller company doing some uh, acquisitions that kind of run uh, independently of each other, this would probably be a good fit. But if you've got a lot of intercompany or, or any type of transfer or sale between um just be prepared. You're going to be uh, doing double entries. Exactly. And that's such a great point. I guess, you know, the other example that I am going to have on your example, Dave, is going to be uh, if you look at the energy space, utility space, uh, in those spaces, the way companies work is for each of the projects that they are going to get, they are probably going to have an independent. So let's say if you are doing 80 projects in total, they don't want any sort of mix up in those projects because they like to keep it completely sometimes they are going to be legally structured um, you know because it's just too risky to combine all of those projects and if one project fails then that's it your company is done 
So, <laughs> so that's why they like to keep it legally separate. They don't want to have any sort of affiliation, but you know, it's one investor who's investing in that. So they still need the consolidated business view. So that's going to be another great example. Um, you know, either uh, if you are more of the holding company or energy utility, those could be, and that is the space that Sage, Microsoft, they all like to be. Um, so other things that you're going to notice, again, Sage is designed for the public center companies, uh, you know, the companies that are going to be audited. Okay, so one of the things that you are going to find in this space is going to be your Sarbanes-Oxley comp compliance. So the, the way your permission structures are going to be, okay? So even in some of the larger products, the, the whole permission set could be extremely confusing the way it is done, okay? But in general, if you look at Sage, SAP, the companies that are going to be designed for finance and accounting, they do a really good job uh, of this. And even in products as small as, Sage 100, there is a very clear security model the way they have structured this, even though they don't even have the SQL Server backing <laughs> or some of the versions, but the permission set is just mind blowing the way it is done. Um, so the other things that Sage has been trying to incorporate is the visual workflow. We have seen this in a lot of different products. It is very similar to Sage Intact. Again, Sage Intact does not have the operational ethic operational functionality in general, uh, even though it's cloud native, uh, the interface is cool, uh, but it does not have the bells and whistles that you are going to be needing for very product centric organization. Um, so here the workflow is very similar, uh, even though if you are going to look at this, you might feel that it pretty much have everything. What else do you need? But again, Devil is really going to be in details once you pay attention to which kind of transaction it, it can process. That's where the trick is in general with most ERP. Um, this is your, and they have done some cool things to be honest. Okay, so this is the mail merge. Uh, and uh, here you can have some of the variables as part of your email. And I don't think I have uh, seen this with any other ERP systems where you can have the variables uh, as part of email, which Sage 100 has, which is a good thing if you are doing a lot of emails uh, as part of your account. Then now this is the item maintenance screen. So I don't know whether you guys remember the item maintenance screen that we saw for the Sage 100 contractor that has very different screen than this one. So as you guys can see, this is extremely busy, okay? And the reason why it is busy is because for the distribution operation, you are probably going to require all. And I'm just blown away when I look at this, you know, I'm when I think of any of these smaller systems, I'm, I'm always thinking that probably, you know what, they are not going to have as many inventory layers. They are probably not going to have as many costing. Layers. They are not going to have as many valuation. Layers. But surprisingly enough, CH100 had all of that, can you believe, even though it was a file system based database. So if you look at the unit of measures, you have three different unit of measures. Can you believe this? Standard purchase and sales. Okay. This is typically part of your Let's say if you go to Acumatica NetSuite, slightly bigger system, uh, they are probably going to have that. Anything bigger than that, obviously, they are going to have all of that. But, you know, again, Sage 100 is a very small system, but they had a lot. Okay. So here, if you talk about the valuation, uh, again, this is from the accounting perspective. So for accountants, this is bread and butter, and they need to have that. For, you know, you have weight and volume that we saw in every single Sage product. The reason why they have this is because, number one, if for e-commerce operations, you are probably going to require that. That's number one. And number two is going to be any of the FMCG industry, any of the agriculture, food-centric industries, you probably need that. And that's why Sage likes to include that as part of 
um, you know, every single product. So that's sort of your hint there that the solution is really designed for food-centric industry. Some interesting fields, for example, they have the procurement field and they have buy as an option. So I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, to be honest, <laughs> because in my mind, procurement would mean buy. So, <laughs> so I don't know why they have that. Um, I don't know, Dave, Andy, if you guys have. Yeah, it'd be a guess on my part, Sam. I don't, I don't know if, uh, you know, if they have a, a, with some of the other functionality, if they have some way to to kick off a work order or something. If it's a, you know, light assembly or something like that, but that that would be my only guess. Um, it doesn't really make a lot of sense the way the screen uh, reads currently. Yeah, yeah. And the other things I'm really surprised, to be honest, I mean, these guys have commitments and commitments is considered very advanced functionality in general, uh, which they are able to maintain at least at the warehouse level. Obviously, it's not going to be as your enterprise level workflows, approvals or commitments, but you at least have uh, ability to commit at the warehouse level. That itself is a big deal, um, which is mind blowing. Then the, the pricing, the discounting structure is, is very robust as well. That is also very surprising, typically in the smaller system. For example, let's say if you look at Odoo, uh, you know, everybody talks about how good Odoo is, but when you go into the depth, so they are going to have one-to-one scenarios, but they are not going to have as much depth when you are going to look at pricing, discounting. You know, that's where they're going to struggle. They are not going to have as many inventory layers. Um, So that's where the real differentiation is the products. Um, so if you look at the pricing and discounting again, this is very natural. I absolutely love it. Just, okay. So here you are talking about the pricing tiers. Um, uh, and these are the pricing ladder that you need to build, um, to be able to quote. So if you are a very heavy decision organization, you are probably going to require this, but then there are going to be some pricing layers that are probably not available here. So for example, let's say if you are doing buy one, get one free or things of that nature, for example, Customer-centric pricing, you have the customer number here. So this is probably going to be item code, customer number, but you don't have the customer group pricing, uh, but you have the pricing. Yeah, so uh, there are going to be limitations, okay? You are not going to get everything. So you need to figure out, okay, how small the system is and how much flexibility do you want from the pricing and discounting perspective? And first of all, whether you're going to use ERP pricing or not, some companies cannot afford to use this because the pricing lives in e-commerce. Um, so it's, it's uh, you need to decide that, okay, what is going to be your architecture, where your pricing is going to live, and what role the pricing is going to play in your project. Hey, Sam, can you go back to the previous screen for a second? Yeah. I was curious because when you were talking there, I thought I recalled seeing the sales promotion under there. So potentially some some amount of functionality, but it'd be interesting to, that's a great kind of a great perspective and question to to dig into if, if that's something that applies uh, in some sort of, you know, maybe e-commerce-esque uh, business, a light distribution, maybe a, a parts, a replacement parts type business or something like that. So my understanding, the way I am reading this, to be honest, Dave, and Andy, you can comment there as well. Um, so typically, you are going to have two different functionality inside your ERP system. One is called pricing. The second is called discounting. Okay. And they both have different sort of business objects, the way their life cycle is in general in most ERPs. Okay. The difference, sometimes it could be very confusing. Okay. What is the difference between pricing and discounting, right? So the pricing is going to be first layer that you are going to have based on your customer, based on your product. Once the pricing is set, then you can apply additional layers, which is going to be your discount. Typically discount is going to have some sort of expiry uh, coupon code. Uh, That's the real difference. Sometimes they could follow the similar 
hierarchy sometimes it will be different so here my understanding of sales promotion the way i'm reading this this is probably their discounting function got it the other interesting uh, option that i saw is it item which is also very yeah. interesting <laughs> so my, i think they were they were doing a lot of business in the it distribution space and that's why and some of the it items actually have very different life cycle in jump okay the way they work and they are going to have like every single item is going to have a serial number and when you have to simply do the receive for some of those items you are probably receiving like a million item and they each cost like penny okay so <laughs> you might be cutting the the order or purchase order for like $10000 but you might be receiving million item from the operational performance perspective that could be a massive hit and that's why some of the distribution organization which are going to be very serialized sometimes they have to go to sap hana because the other system they cannot really process that kind of volume you know the question we had earlier regarding procurement versus the purchasing field uh, i didn't notice the procurement field until just now the drop down says buy so maybe what they mean by procurement isn't just the fact that it's purchased but the fact that it's uh, as opposed to being made or value added or who knows what the drop down says <clears throat> if i recall correctly i think and it had build so you are sort of close there but again i think that must have grown um, you know initially they were doing just yeah. the, <laughs> just yeah. the bot and then they had uh, yeah uh, interesting um okay uh, but one of the things that you're going to notice dave is so this one also says price discount percentage okay but that is the pricing method so pricing method is going to be different than your discounting method um, so here they are doing price discount uh, just a little nuance there Okay, so some reviews, um, and we are probably running early today. Um, so here we have a review from 2022, and oh. this is the machinery company, 11 to 50 employees, which is probably the right fit in my mind. Uh, machinery, uh, obviously, machinery would require very deep manufacturing functionality. So let's guess if they are going to be happy about it. So they are saying CH100 offers a complete integration for small manufacturing companies, but again, depending upon how they are using it. So in their case, they are saying we use CH100 as a total ERP solution. Okay, so let's see what total means for them. So they are saying integrate <laughs> critical elements of the business, including production, inventory management, purchasing, customer information, sales order entry, payables, and all GL financial functions. It seems quite total. for me um so here some more commentary you know they are not as happy with the need to consolidate steps for running transactions so the consolidation functionality i think what they mean is that one to one scenario that's where they are not happy when let's say if you are trying to combine all of those purchase orders or the purchase order lines uh, in just one invoice okay that's where this product is really going to struggle in general so that's where i, I guess they are not that you know for each of the invoice now you are sending 50 different uh, invoices sometimes you could close that's just one payment uh, if you have to close 50 invoices and that makes life uh, you know of an accountant much easier if you have that functionality but this particular product and that's where the limitation is going to be even though this product is able to support multi entity functionality can you believe that but you know they don't really have those one to one layers um so here they are saying we utilize standard costing method for manufacturing our products i don't doubt you because obviously you seem to be a very legacy business and that's what you would do um, so now the the process may may be much more difficult for companies that manufacture products for other people job shops so this is a very standardized sort of operation and that's why they are okay with a standard costing i believe 
Um, that's what they are saying. If you have very variable manufacturing, this is probably not the right fit. Um, the other comment that we have is from 2019, and this is the medical system. And this is a very small operation as well, 11 to 50 employees, medical device. So here they are happy about month end. They are also happy about inventory. I don't doubt you. I think, you know, it, it has decent inventory as well as finance. Now the person is saying it is unforgiving when a mistake is made. Uh, so now my comment to Nick is going to be, Nick, brother, <laughs> you know, you have no idea how unforgiving SAP is going to be. Uh, you know, Sage, <laughs> Sage 100 is a, is a friendly system. It's still a very small system in general. Uh, so, you know, you need to change your habits, uh, you know, if, because the only system that can allow you to do this is your accounting system. They are not ERP system. There is a reason why ERP systems are going to mandate uh, and why they are going to be so unforgiving. Uh, when posting a batch, there is no way to preview. Again, those layers are not going to be there. So if you are getting into sort of the audit zone, then you are going to have a lot of trouble here. So that's why, you know, the preview functionality is not really in this particular product. There's no way to undo an entry. Again, I think this particular and medical device, probably they are being audited. So obviously they need to be a little careful. Um, and that's why he's complaining. So Sage 100 probably is not a fit for companies that are being audited in my mind, uh, unless you are a very small operation. So here his comment is manufacturing clothing. I would doubt if this is going to work for apparel industry because they have very complex inventory very complex MRP processes. Now, if you don't do MRP, then it's a different, uh, you know, you can probably <laughs> run on any, any ERP system, maybe on a spreadsheet as well. Uh, you know, so they are saying merchandising, restaurant industries, it could be a great fit. That is right as well. Service industry, he's saying that it's not as useful, which is probably right as well. Okay. Um, so mining and metals, 11 to 50 employees, 2019, big hulking software that's slow. Okay, so they, <laughs> and clunky, but ultimately helpful. So obviously they try to cram in a lot of functionality, but your underlying infrastructure is not designed to carry that workload. And that's why you are struggling. <laughs> go ahead, Andy. No, no, go ahead. I was just okay. going to throw a shit okay. that. should be no, me. No, that, that, that's okay. Um, okay, so here we have some more commentary. It's painfully slow, even for mid-sized businesses like ours. And for them, when they say mid-sized, it's 11 to 50 employees. That's not even small in my mind. Okay. So, so that's definitely not mid-size. And if it is going to be slow for you, imagine how your life is going to be. Let's say if you are $10, 15000000 million business. Well, well, that's what caught my eye on that particular comment, Sam. Finish reading the rest of that sentence. It says painfully slow for our mid-size business without millions of transactions. <laughs> <laughs> see the, the 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 point i'm going to make is see at the end of the day this is a computer operation you require infrastructure you require memory to, to run your software okay if you are going to push this in on a desktop what do you expect <laughs> right i mean it's not really the software that is the problem it's your infrastructure number one that is going to be a problem so again if you need decent infrastructure that costs money and that's why some of these cloud systems they cost a lot because they are running on a decent infrastructure. If you have never run an application on a server, then obviously you're going to find it slightly expensive. But if you require performance, you need to you need to pay for it. Uh, now they are saying it crashes very very often. Obviously, I mean you know if you are going to like cram like eight people in a four person car, what is going to happen? Uh, <laughs> um, that's what is happening here. Unfortunately, it's local program so that. Uh, excludes it from being used 
remotely. So that's another constraint that you're going to have. I assume it has great security, enterprise integrity, <laughs> but honestly, it's not well suited for a core trying to move quickly. It crashes often, uh, needs to be updated frequently. Support is very, okay, they're complaining about support as well. Uh, but again, you are not paying, so what do you expect? Um, it could slit on, um, sit on cloud servers with higher uptime and responsiveness. So again, that's going to be really expensive, I guess. Um, if you're a small company, just manage somehow and then move to a bigger system. So here, this is a very interesting business. I don't think we have reviewed any of these sports-centric companies. So here, we are looking at gambling and casino. So they are looking at 200, 100, 500 employees, and this is a very unique industry as well because this is going to be very franchise-based business. Uh, you know, it's very retail-centric in general, the way it works. Um, so the 2018 is 800 ERP. So great fit in my mind, but they are probably crossing the line there. And that might be okay because the business is not very volume-centric. It's very retail-centric. And that's why it's okay to use this for 200 to 500 employees. So here they're saying Sage 100 uh, does not have the ability to easily choose multiple invoices to be paid in one batch. So that's the limitation. One-to-end scenario, guys. That's where they have sort of cut the corners. But again, if they try to implement that functionality, imagine how slow this is going to be. Okay, <laughs> so you are lucky that you don't have that functionality. Sage 100 is somehow somewhat difficult to initially set up GL for a company. You have no idea how difficult the other software is going to be if this is difficult for you. Um, if a company is small with basic needs, then Sage 100 is well suited with a complex need. Okay, so that's the commentary. Some more commentary here coming from 2017. The right choice for growing SME looking for consolidate software packages. So this guy is CPA. And this is the bank. Can you believe? 10,000 employees, guys. <laughs> 10,000 employees. Sage 100. Can you believe this? Okay. So let's look at some of uh, the commentary from here. So they are saying not ideal for fixed asset heavy businesses because Sage fixed assets is a separate software. And you are going to be shocked by uh, with this discovery. Some of the banks, okay. So the way the banks work, they are very retail centric operation. The way their accounting is, it's very disconnected from their, okay. And that's why uh, they are probably able to do this. Sometimes their accounting is going to be done on a spreadsheet. Can you believe that? Okay. You are <laughs> uh, trusting them for your money, but their systems are not going to be as connected. Uh, you know, so so in this particular case, that's the, this particular bank actually moved uh, from a spreadsheet to your Sage 100. And that itself was a big move for them. Um, so I think this is somewhere they have mentioned that, if I remember correctly, that they had moved from Spratch. You did. I mean, it's almost hard to believe this review. <laughs> <laughs> I, at first, I thought maybe, you know, we were misreading it from the standpoint of uh, that potentially they were using it to integrate or implement uh, for their clients. But that's not the way that uh, that's not the way that this reads. I mean, it's it's it, it clearly says otherwise. Yep. So interesting. It's about in the middle of the paragraph, though, Sam, is what yeah. you're looking for. Yeah, it says prior to Sage 100, the organization created and managed budgets using Microsoft Excel. So just the budgets is what they are talking about. I don't know if they were running on Excel. I would not doubt if they were running. I've seen a lot of financial uh, organization and banks. They are really big, but they run on a spread. Okay, so here, 2016, Sage 100, manager in manufacturing. This is a music company, okay? 51 to 200 employees. But music company, but they do a little manufacturing. They are most likely, it must be a guitar company or something. Like that. Um, so here, 
you know they are compl- they are happy with user security which is very natural especially in ca- in the case of sage we saw that user security is inventory management a lot of uh, reviewers seem to be happy with that then they are complaining about out of the box reporting hmm. manufacturing scheduling and warehouse management so my expectation would be that they should be happy with at least warehouse management but this person does not seem to like even the warehouse management manufacturing scheduling yeah i would agree with the reviewer that it's probably not going to be as good uh reporting it's okay for the price that you are paying but they are also over stretching i guess 51 to 200 so it was really designed for 100 sort of employees but they are over stretching um and that's why they don't like it so here we have this is the senior consultant so this uh Sage 100 ERP rocking distribution this is the emergence business consulting so the, this guy must be the implementer who has reviewed 11 to 50 employees i have been implementing sage 100 ERP mas 90 for 15 years okay so sage 100 is an entry level integrated erp software that a company can use to collect yeah i completely agree with this assessment that this is really and this is the real entry level okay acumatic and actually they are not real entry this is your real entry level software uh, in my mind uh, so they have identified some of the technical limitations that only implementation people are going to know so they are saying very, very flexible they have 32 characters 10 segments limitation good reporting so that's the technical limitation that you are going to have in those segments if you need more obviously you need to go for bigger software uh they are saying handles multiple warehouses and complex pricing structure which i completely agree i'm i'm shocked the kind of pricing that it can handle sage 100 allows uh for as many company codes as needed and they are saying one per pin and that's the um the sort of definition that most accountants use how many tax identification number do you have and with that is what is called the real entity entity or the legal entity so typically with the retail organization let's say if you have 50 tens then you are probably going to have 50 entities that's how they like to think but there is no intercompany processing modules so he's being extremely clear there if you need true intercompany then there is a third party piece and a lot of software they do uh, you know they use that uh, dave you have a comment okay with version 4 sage upgraded the underlying business framework to more of rdbms on the back end the manufacturing modules and payroll so obviously there has been a little bit delay in terms of the modules so this was in uh, what i believe 2017 i guess this review so i don't know if the manufacturing is right now but for the most part even the baby ones probably are going to be file based so make sure you get that in writing in terms of what kind of software you're getting file based is obviously going to be really slow uh this is also coming from a consultant this is one to 10 employees uh here he is trying to say account number can be as long as 32 digits up to 10 segments so he is agreeing with this guy right here ability to create purchase orders right from sales orders uh, again that itself is a you know key piece of functionality that a lot of small software may not have um, if i remember correctly i think makola used to struggle with that uh you know so when you uh, i don't know whether you guys remember the makola review or not uh, they had mentioned that you know what as soon as you convert from your code to your order code has gone now so the only thing you are doing in the back end in the database is you are simply changing the status as opposed to creating a real object right inside the database because that's going to be far heavier in general uh now some more uh comments here i would like to see a less cumbersome work order module 
it has some good features in it but it can require many steps to process uh, and order okay so they are complaining about manufacturing obviously this is not really designed for manufacturing don't use for manufacturing um some more comment here so this is a controller plastics uh, 11 to 50 employees and in my mind the segment is is really good so if you're going to be a manufacturing shop and you cannot really afford consulting help this is where sage 100 is going to be a really good fit in my mind and you should be comparing this with some of the eci software eci plays in this segment as well their solutions are really designed the way uh, you know sage 100 is so that's the right comparison so here uh, we have we have the scheduling module we do not use uh, as it is difficult to use and requires a lot more manual manipulation does not handle simultaneous operations and simultaneous operations is going to be a key as well not a lot of software can handle they all are going to claim they can do manufacturing but when you get into the simultaneous operations and typically for industries such as plastics you probably require that um so that's where the key is going to be so make sure you guys pay attention to that job ops work tickets do not handle sales uom conversion and have to be manually edited again fine lines guys uh, you know this is where the smaller solutions struggle i would like to have multiple ship tools under one customer bill you don't even have multiple ship tools how are you going to run your distribution organization even the smaller ones they are probably going to have buying groups uh, that you are going to be trading with so again one to n that's where the real play is so some uh, systems they might have multi entity accounting but they might not have as strong one to n relationship in my mind i think one to n is far more important and that's where you are going to get far more layers Uh, and if you look at Acumatica as of today, they have far deeper one-to-one functionality. They might not have as strong multi-entity functionality, but obviously it is at least going to be comparable with Sage Hundred. Uh, vendors would like uh, to have ability to pay uh, payment address different from the vendors primary, so I guess they cannot even support multiple addresses for vendors. So that's another problem that uh, it might have. Um, okay. Um, Sage Does the accounting one- portion uh, utilize holdbacks, Sam? I when you say holdbacks are you talking about prepayment are you talking about back order what is holdback in in your mind well usually in a project or a construction environment there's a series of milestone bills okay so are you talking about retainer then uh, you could call it a retainer the holdback is the amount it's usually 10% and they pay it up front yeah and first, first payment for a project i can almost guarantee that sage 100 contractor is probably going to have that otherwise yeah, i don't I, think we will be able to this, yeah uh, but those two are completely different products yeah so here we have um, some more commentary i don't think i have anything <clears throat> alarming here i will open up the floor for any commentary that you guys might The very last uh, the last screen bring it back up please Okay yeah 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 uh where is it okay yeah the bottom is there it? it says okay yeah it's just saying it is okay for light manufacturing but not really designed for minutes okay thank you yeah i mean if you're running serious mrp you should not be using sage 100 uh, in my mind um but not a lot of distributors they understand right <laughs> no it's a different world Well, I mean, you know, I think that was a good uh, good discussion. You know, the, the the product has its place in the market and it's been out there for a long time and it has a very strong following. Um it's usually one of the ones that systems that I work with might be replacing, 
but that's after a company grows to it. Deep. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you, Andy. And, um, you know, I guess what I would add is is really no different than what we say during a lot of these. But, you know, it, it gets down to when you're the uh, evaluation phase of, of really any of these systems, it's understanding what are the current customers, uh, what what you know, what are the similarities between what I'm doing today with my business and my processes and what kind of current customers are they serving? And, and, you know, having some conversations around that, because, you know, kind of going through that, I was thinking, okay, well, this, this would work in, you know, light distribution, um, but it's kind of light distribution based on a certain, you know, kind of certain process set, right? So in some, in some cases, if you've got something that's doing a lot of split shipments, uh, probably not so much because now, you know, now based on, again, on that, uh, that one comment, you're learning that, you know, that's going to impact your process. So uh, again, just have, have a great understanding of, of the processes that you're executing and be prepared to be asking questions about how these systems handle that, that particular set of processes. And then Andy, kind of back to your point about, um, you know, this being replaced, you know, as that company grows, I mean, be mindful of that, right, with your processes, uh, from the standpoint of saying that, you know, if you're growing into a larger system that has additional flexibility, additional capability, again, you may be better off, right? Like people, I think, sometimes are thinking, how can we save some money? How can we, you know, get kind of the lightest system possible to uh, to handle what we need to do? And in reality, you know, you may be better off buying buying up a little bit. So yep. just, you know, be mindful of this. Just know what you're looking for in a system. Just because it has the word manufacturing and the marketing yeah. piece doesn't mean it's designed for manufacturing. Uh, maybe simple assembly, you know, kitting or assembler order possibly, but on a very light. Any other comments, guys? No? All right, guys, that's it for today. If you joined for the first time, this was part of our industry series <sighs> for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We review one vendor or the solution. So make sure... You guys are going to be here next week. We are going to come back with another solution or a vendor. On that note, thanks everyone for tuning in tonight. Thanks so much, sir. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to the Chrysler.club. C-H-E-C-R-Y-S-L-E-R dot C-L-U-B. If you want to learn more about Andy Pratico, head over to essoft.com. It's essoft.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Nick Foy, who shares his insights on the reasons for ERP implementation and adoption failures based on his team's experience in saving Odoo implementations. Also, the interview with Brian G. Shannon, who shares his insights into the importance of centralizing shared services for large global rollouts. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to get you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. 
For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.